Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Um, recently, the ministry team, we got together, and one of the things that we did, besides looking ahead to 2018, which is upon us, we took some time to pause and reflect on what God has done this past year. That's always a very healthy thing to do because you're always about the next thing and sometimes you forget what God's doing. But during that time, that was a really good time with the ministry team, God prompted me to tell you guys just how much we appreciate what you all do for his body, the church, the kingdom that is here right now, because all the ministries, all the classes, all the service projects, everything that goes on, it's because we have great members at this church. And so when I'm out in the community and people ask what I do and realize I don't work for Walmart and then find out that I'm a minister and they're like, oh, what church? And one of the things I always go to is there's really great people at Bentonville Church of Christ. So thank you for who you are and what you do. And we as a ministry team greatly appreciate it and hopefully do not take that for granted. So thank you. We've been in a, what I think is a fun series, Kingdom Come. As we look at the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, the Model Prayer, and um, it's been a real privilege to be a part of that. And this morning, as we kind of wrap up the prayer part of it here, I think this is on, see if I can get it. There we go. Matthew 6, 13 is what we're going to look at, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And while this is kind of a challenging scripture to look at, it's also very powerful and um, we're going to unpack this today, and I look forward to it. But as we've done with every, every sermon in this series, I want us to speak this out loud together, okay? So say it with me as Jesus says to pray like this, so let's do it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A beautiful prayer that, that Jesus invites us in to pray every day on a daily basis between us and the Lord, kind of as we start the day. And looking through this prayer, I, I've loved the series, you know, just thinking about our Father in heaven. Let's go back. Um, yeah. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just the, the name that, that we get to, to praise in the name above all names and just the holiness of who he is. And of course, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom has come through Jesus, through his church. We get to release the kingdom on a daily basis and pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's such a redeemer. And then give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Do you remember... Do you remember the picture that Josh had of, of the man, the older man with white hair, and as, he, as Josh said, the cool beard that his grandma had hanging up in their house, and there was bread that was cut, there was soup right there? My grandma, the grandma I grew up going to her house, she had that picture up there too. And it's kind of funny because God kind of brought me back to memory. I remember looking at that picture when I was a little boy, and I thought, I wonder if that's Santa Claus. And I really did. I went through this process in my mind, and I, I was thinking it probably was. And then finally, um, I resolved in my mind without talking to anybody, well, I think it is because it looks like he's a Christian. And so as a little kid that gave me comfort, I know that was skewed, and God eventually showed me good theology. But, like, I just remember thinking that when I was a little kid. It's funny. But today, and lead us not into temptation, as you see, that's in yellow, but deliver us from the evil one. Right at the beginning... Um, I kind of wanted us to, to look at these scriptures in two different translations because this can be a bit of a confusing scripture if we let it be. And I kind of want to diffuse a little bit of the confusion because you think about and lead us not into temptation. 
You mean God's leading us to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the New Living Translation says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but, the, but rescue us from the evil one. And that makes a little more sense to me. You can get a little confused on the NIV translation, but really, you know, don't let us yield to temptation. Because you look at the next scripture, this may not be working today. So you, I'll, I'm going to have to rely on you. Donovan, you're good, so you'll, you'll, you'll keep up. God is not the source of our temptation. So look at this, James 1, 13 through 14, as Steve read earlier, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Seems simple enough, but I think it's really powerful that we recognize what is the source and what is not the source. So we do need to know that God is not the source of temptation, because think about it. When we think God is the source of something, we're gonna surrender to it. We're going to submit to it, whether we're right or wrong, thinking he's the source. And then the next slide, Satan is called the tempter. And so looking back in Matthew 4, 1 through 3, and there's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians, I think chapter 4, that talks about this too, but Jesus was led by the Spirit, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, so would I be. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The tempter. Satan is the tempter. And God is not the source of temptation, yet we do face temptation. And as we look at the next slide here, here's the simple question. So why did Jesus instruct us to pray that the Father would not lead us into temptation or not let us yield to temptation? This is simply a request for guidance so that we can be delivered from evil, right? It's a simple request. Every day he's, he's inviting us to pray this Father in heaven, holy be your name, hallowed be your name. And, and part of this prayer is to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But it's not always that easy. Let's, let's go back. Um, getting ahead of Let's go back a slide. This is not always such a simple way to live, right? It, I mean, it's, it's, it's not always so easy. And one of the sayings I will say sometimes is my daily responsibility is to respond to his ability within me, talking about Jesus, his spirit living inside of me. Because the reality is this, a lot of times we think we can do things by our own willpower, which is kind of an ironic statement because our power is so limited, but our own willpower. But the reality is Jesus saying, no, you have to rely on me. You have to become dependent on me. You have to trust in me. In fact, you have to pray this prayer daily because there's different times, temptation, evil comes at us in a way that sometimes we really do give into it, right? And so here, one of the things I was thinking about, it took me to Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, all that. Against such things, there is no law. Jesus is inviting us into a relationship where we depend and trust on him so much, where the fruit of the spirit can flow through us so freely. It's like he's saying, I want a codependent relationship. This is where codependency is actually healthy. The only healthy codependent relationship is with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It made sense to me, and I like it. You know, we're supposed to be codependent on him. He's the one who's supposed to give us everything we need. In fact, with Jesus, we have everything we need. We're just learning the reality of what that is. But this isn't always so easy, but this is simply what it is. The next one. And, and I love this about this. Okay, and lead us not into temptation. This prayer that Jesus is saying, the beginning of this prayer right here, it takes us back to the beginning of his ministry. 
At this point, he's just been baptized. You see this beautiful interaction of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his baptism. The Spirit rests on him like a dove. And what's the first thing that happens on Jesus' earthly ministry? He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him, as we just read, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He's appealing to his physical senses. He's hungry. We think about the lust of the flesh when we're hungry, when we want to look at something we know we're not supposed to look at. Indulge, just, you know, sometimes um, it's hard not to give in to the lust of the flesh. And right here, if there's ever a time where Jesus could do this, and he is a son of God, but he also is man, and he's tempted in every way like we were, it says in Hebrews, but Jesus answered it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the next part, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, look at this. Look how the enemy tries to challenge his identity. Comes right at it. If you are the son of God. And almost kind of like to make him either feel, try to make him feel insecure, like we have challenges with, feeling insecurity and think about teenagers today, the, the world that we live in, insecurity is one of those big things and as adults the same way or try to get him to use his power in a way that it wasn't meant to be used, right? If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. He'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, Jesus answered him. It is also written, <laughs> Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And this is quite a showdown if you really let yourself go there, what's going on here, because this happened. And he's facing the tempter. He's facing the devil in a very vulnerable position. The next slide, please. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Makes you think of James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And go back, go back. stay there. And so right here in this, in this instance, away from me, Satan, Satan is kind of playing his hand a little bit because the reality is worship is a very powerful thing as a Christian, as somebody who's walking with Christ. And those of you here today who have not taken Christ on in baptism yet, Listen, because we're going to talk about some really cool things about what you have in Christ. And at some point, you're going to make that decision. But right here, he's saying worshiping God is such a powerful thing because he's trying to get him to worship him. And I want to encourage you, encourage me today, when we think about this prayer and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, worship, worship, worship. However that looks for you, it's important that we worship God on a regular basis. And right here, you can tell the enemy's trying to pull him away from that. When we are worshiping, when we are staying focused on God, good things can happen. You know, and an idol, I guess, is anything that keeps us from worshiping God and claiming him as our own true God. And that can look different for all of us, but worship is powerful. And I like how Jesus very forthrightly says, away from me, Satan. And I want to encourage you, there's times where you verbally just have to say that to him. In different ways the enemy comes at us, do not be afraid to say that. And go ahead to the next slide. How did Jesus respond to the tempter? I think this is a really key part of the story. And as we consider and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, Jesus responds by quoting scripture. And think about this, this is God in the flesh, this is Jesus. Everything Jesus says is the breath of God or becomes the red letters. 
But what does Jesus do? And I think this is by example. I think it's a very important example to us. He quotes scripture. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think this is a key thing for us today. How do we face temptation? How do we face evil? We really need to know the word of God. Knowledge is important, but it's also a very useful tool as a Christian, as we face temptation, as we face evil, to have scripture right on our mind, right on our lips, and hidden his word in our hearts so we might not sin. His, his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The word of God is living and active and Jesus is showing how do you combat temptation? All those mind games we go through on a daily basis of insecurity, not feeling loved, not feeling accepted. We need to have scripture right there to combat the lies of the enemy as Jesus is showing in this temptation, kind of a showdown in the desert at the beginning of his earthly ministry. You go to the next one. The second part of his prayer, but deliver us from the evil one. And this takes us to a very intense moment as well. You think of the beginning of this prayer, takes us to the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. And it's kind of interesting right here, you see this takes us to Gethsemane. Deliver us from the evil one. Then Jesus went with his disciples, if you read with me, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray this, that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The temptation they were facing at that moment, and Jesus also knew the temptation they were just about to face as the people were gonna come and arrest him. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But this is a moment where Jesus has a unique vocation where he is having to go somewhere that we are not called to go. And so I want you to think about this. This is an, an intense moment. And as you look at the next slide, it's interesting to me that the bookends of his ministry, Jesus puts in this prayer. You know, the beginning in the desert and then, and then right here in Gethsemane before he heads to Calvary, these two really intense moments Jesus is referring to and then go ahead and go to the next slide. And the irony of it is Jesus would be the one who was led into temptation, who was not delivered from evil. So let's think about this a little bit. He's telling us to pray every day and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the reality is Jesus had to go face the devil. He had to go face temptation at the beginning of his ministry. And then at the end, he's facing off with the enemy, feeling sorrow to the point of death, praying to God the Father, intense moment of anguish, and says, not my will, but your be done. And he is not delivered from evil. Again, he had to face some things that we weren't meant to face so we could experience some amazing, powerful things. So right here, as we look at this slide, I want you to think about the exchange that took place right here. And I've called it a divine exchange. I'm sure other people have as well. But Jesus had to take on everything that was evil 
and take it to the cross so our sins could be forgiven as he shed his blood. And when we take him on in baptism, that death, burial, and resurrection, this beautiful picture happens. But Jesus had to face evil head on so we could be delivered from it. And he takes everything from us and then gives us his spirit, gives us his righteousness. So that it's kind of an ironic part of this prayer. As N.T. Wright says, Jesus would be the one who was led into temptation. He was not delivered from evil. So next one, what then is evil and how are we delivered from it? Well, you could, you could spend a long time on that, except here's my thing is I, I want to turn my attention to Jesus as much as possible. So I look at the fruit of the spirit and think about that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's in Galatians 5. I think anything that comes against that, maybe you could call evil. You know, evil wants to cause havoc in our lives and, and doubt and fear and just insecurities and all these kind of things. So what then is evil and how are we delivered from it? How did Jesus face evil and how did he choose to be delivered from it? But there are three options. Let's put up two, three, three options to avoid. The first one is this. We can't stick our heads in the sand and act like evil isn't there. Because we, we are in a spiritual battle. And so it, it's, you know, if the extreme example, if I'm sitting in my home and my house is on fire, you know, taking off an outer layer, layer of clothing and drinking ice water is not going to just make everything good and make it all go away. It's still there. The fire is still, at some point, I have to face it. At some point, we will have to face, you know, the reality that we are in a battle. So we can't stick our head in the sand. The, the second option we got to avoid is, you know, we don't want to be consumed and dominated by evil either. We don't want to become overly impressed to the point where we really think evil is more powerful than God. Or somebody who just says, I'm just going to, you know, God said be hot or cold. I'm just going all in. And you live a completely sin-filled lifestyle and are just controlled by evil. And so if, you, if as a Christian, you let yourself be dominated by evil, you're going to live a life of fear and, and doubt all the time. Those, those are supposed to be fleeting thoughts, Right. But at times we can be controlled and dominated by evil and get to a point, even as a Christian, sometimes we think evil is more powerful than God. And yet we think of the scripture, he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. So how did Jesus, how did Jesus face evil? Jesus' way is to recognize the reality and power of evil and to confront it with the reality and power of the kingdom announcement, which he did with Gethsemane and Calvary. Jesus recognized the reality and power of the enemy. And then he confronted it with the reality and power of the kingdom announcement, which he did with Gethsemane and Calvary. And that's a powerful thing to think about. But what about you and me? How does Jesus want us to confront it and be delivered from evil? Jesus intends for his followers to recognize not only the reality of evil, but the reality of his victory over it. Can I get an amen church? Yeah. All right. I mean, right here, and we're going to leave this slide up here for, for a while. I want you to look at this. We need to realize the reality of his victory over it. Are you with me on this? Victory in Jesus. One of my favorite older songs that I sang growing up. I still like it. It's not just an old story. It's a present story. We have victory in Jesus like right now. I want to read something to you. We are commanded to pray that we may be delivered from the power of evil. And we can pray that with confidence precisely because Jesus has met that power and defeated it once and for all. 
Now the enemy is opposed to everything good. And the only reason that we can shrink in fear to evil is if we forget that in the cross, God has seriously and radically dealt with it. He's dealt with it. And we are to hold true to our commitment to God in the midst of trials and temptations. We need to remember who we are in Christ. As you face temptation, as you face evil, and sometimes it's more than other times, we cannot forget the victory we have in Jesus Christ. We cannot forget who we are in Christ. And then we need to respond to temptation and evil just like Jesus did by looking at the word of God, by looking at scripture. And I wanna do that this morning. I'm gonna end this with reminding us of some of the things that the Bible says of what we have and who we are in Christ. When you think about being accepted, when you think about security in life, when you think about significance in life, it all points back to who we are in Jesus Christ. And so I wanna encourage us to approach temptation and evil with this confident humility. And I'm gonna read a couple things to you this morning. Who are you in Christ as you face temptation and evil? Well, you're God's child, you're Christ's friend. You've been justified. You're united with the Lord and one in spirit with him. You've been bought with the price. You belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body. You've been adopted as God's child and you have access to God through the Holy Spirit. You've been redeemed and forgiven. You are complete in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. How secure are we in Christ as we face temptation and evil? Well, you're free forever from condemnation. That's pretty good. You're assured all things work together for good. You're free from any charge against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. We've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. We're hidden with Christ in God. We can be confident that the good work God has begun in you will be perfected. You are a citizen of heaven. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind and you can find grace and mercy in a time of need. How significant are you in Jesus Christ? Well, you're the salt and the light of the earth. You're a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. You've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You are a personal witness of Christ. You are his temple. You are a minister of reconciliation for God. You are God's co-laborer. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You're God's workmanship. You can approach him with freedom and confidence. And whether you are in a place of lack or abundance, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen. That's just some of the scriptures of what we have, who we are in Christ, how God looks at us through our union with Jesus Christ. That's powerful stuff. We have to renew our mind daily, I believe, of that as we face temptation, as we face evil, because that's truth. And he who is in me is greater than he who's in this world. And not everything around me always matches up with who I am in Jesus Christ and what he's promised, but we can have confidence and hope that the victory, <laughs> it's already been won. And we really truly do battle daily from a place of victory. We already have it. We already have it. And so really we are to respond to what we already have in Jesus Christ. And we pray for guidance. We pray for wisdom. Sometimes we fall into temptation, but I wanted to encourage you guys this morning. Don't forget. Don't forget the victory you have right now in Jesus. Don't forget how much Jesus loves you right now. And as sometimes we play this comparison game that either leaves us with a spirit of discontentment or sometimes a place of self-righteousness. 
don't forget the victory that you have and who you are as a son and daughter to the king. Maybe you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And everything I just read, it's available to you if you believe, you confess, repent, and take Jesus on as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that yet, we want to give you a chance to do that here in just, just a minute. Or maybe you really need prayer because the temptation, the evil seems overwhelming. Maybe you're a little bit battle weary and you need prayer this morning. Either way, we want you to come as we stand and sing as elders will be in the front and back to pray over you. Come. Come.